Uh, first thing, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and make this claim right now. The Pilot G205 is the best pin of all time. So it's going to go ahead and make that statement. If you do the .38 or whatever, you're like slicing your paper open. If you do like a 1.0, you're ridiculous. You're basically just might as well use a permanent marker. So just go ahead, make the statement now. This is the Lord's pin, the 05. All right. Um, so uh, also... Um, First of all, my name's Andy. Hey, I'm going to be uh, your speaker for the weekend. Excited to be with all you guys. Um, I'm just going to piggyback really quick on what, uh, uh, what Isaac was saying there um, about hearing each other's voices. Okay, so you guys were actually tapping into something uh, that we as Christians from since day one, uh, in fact, even God's people since day one have been doing, and that's been worshiping together corporately. So like you were designed to hear one another sing and for that to like spur your heart on to your like affections and desire for the Lord to like be more and more and more increased. Uh, and, and so, yeah, he referenced Revelation and he's totally right. Revelation 7 talks about every tribe and tongue and nation all coming together and saying salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb, right? So over and over and over again for all of eternity, there's going to be like what you guys heard here of a glimpse, but on like full blast, infinite scale, crazy glory, awesomeness. So when you're getting to that and you're hearing each other, don't like sing quieter, sing louder, because you're helping one another worship Jesus even more. All right, so anyway, worship is sweet. I love it. It's great to be here with you guys. Um, uh, so I'm uh, going to give a little brief uh, intro to just me and who in the world I am. Uh, uh, my name is Andrew Clayton Norris. That is my full name. And uh, I live in Des Moines, Iowa. Yes. So, yeah, a couple of woos. I've heard there is some, like, animosity towards the state of Iowa. Um, we're cool guys. We love, we, you know, Jesus has united us, uh, broken down the wall of hostility between uh, the state of Iowa and Minnesota. So, uh, I, um, I am married uh, to a wonderful lady. Her name is Emily. Uh, we've been married for nine years. Met each other in college. What's up? I got married in college. What's up? Um, and uh, uh, yeah, been married nine years. Um, our oldest son, his name is Rodney. Uh, Rodney is a, a senior in high school. No, I'm not that old. Uh, uh, um, Rodney, actually, we got through foster care and adopted Rodney when he was uh, 16 years old. Um, and Emily and I were both 30 when we adopted Rod. So um, uh, yeah, he's, he's our oldest son. He's fantastic. Uh, a skinny African-American dude who's going to be playing basketball this year and hopefully doesn't get beaten up too bad. Uh, we're excited for him now. So yeah, he's going to be uh, going off to college next year, Lord willing. We're really excited to see what the Lord's going to do through him. He, he loves Jesus. Um, hopefully one day he'll be in a salt company somewhere. So um, our, uh, uh, so we, we adopted Rodney in January of 2017. And then in September of 2017, um, Em and I had our, our first uh, biological son. His name is Lincoln. He's 13 months old now. He totally looks Lincoln. Yes. What's up? Okay, so uh, uh, his name's Lincoln, guys, just in case you're trying to figure out what was going on. I'm assuming. Is that why you raised your hand? No. <laughs> he just loves babies, guys. I, that, must be what, that must be what that is. So uh, anyway, uh, we'll, fig we'll figure that out later. What is your name? Cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> there's a C, though. There's, there's a C in both names. Um, uh, yeah, so, so Lincoln looks like Jack-Jack off of The Incredibles. Uh, he's, he's fantastic. Uh, definitely, uh, uh, people are confused when they see Rodney and Lincoln together. Lincoln's like translucent. He's so white. You know what I mean? So, um, uh, and then, and then uh, so, so we got Lincoln in, uh, in September. We love him. And then, uh, and then we, we uh, brought in another foster son. His name is Prince. 
uh, in December of 2017. So Prince is 12 and is size 13 shoes. Uh, we made a big fella. So um, uh, we, we love Prince as well. His, his mom from Liberia. Um, so we just got a beautiful multi-ethnic family. I uh, love my family a ton. Um, 2017 was a big time year for the Norris clan. We've officially graduated to a minivan status. Um, and I'm fine, guys. It actually is the most efficient, effective, functional thing ever. Uh, so I'm, I'm super pumped. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Northwest Iowa. Uh, and I worked on staff with uh, the one and only uh, Jordan Adams. Uh, yes, uh, uh, up at Salt Company together. Um, it was a short little stint at being on Salt Company staff. I did youth ministry for a while, but we finally had a little overlap. Um, Kaylee Hunting was on that staff too, which was marvelous. So we enjoyed that. Um, and, uh, and Drew actually was out, at, out in Iowa City at that time. I uh, had no idea who Hannah was, and I missed out for many years. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, and then, uh, and new Isaac as well. So, um, guys, I just want to tell you this. That staff at Salt City loves you guys like crazy. And um, I, I was even just thinking, I was just processing through this. Uh, the fact that Drew, the lead pastor of Salt City, is here uh, to, to be with you guys and be with that staff is just a demonstration of this church clearly cares a ton about college students. A ton. I, I'm not going to do that. Like, uh, I'm teaching at our fall retreat, so never mind. But, it, like, last year, I did it. So, uh, so I'm just saying this, guys. I, I just want you guys to give, um, to just know this. They pray for you guys intentionally. They prepared for this retreat intentionally. They're waiting to see the Lord do a profound, wonderful thing. Um, and I just want to just actually just take a moment for you guys just to give that team a round of applause in thanking them for all that they've done. Yeah. So... Yeah, um, so uh, I, I'm, I'm the pastor at Cottage Grove Church in Des Moines, Iowa. We are also a church plant out of Cornerstone. Um, we're a year older than Salt City, so we planted in 2016. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, I, I love our church. Um, I, I can tell you more about it later. We're really um, striving to be. Uh, a, a diverse church in every sense of the word. We live in a really interesting neighborhood in Des Moines. Um, uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's one of the most diverse neighborhoods, and I mean diverse in like a big word. So like, I'm talking like racially, ethnically, socioeconomically, and generationally. So we're a next generation church too. We live right by Drake University. We have a salt company in Des Moines. Uh, we long to see Jesus be made famous on Drake's campus and in the city of Des Moines. But we just love the fact that we're smack dab in the middle of a really interesting situation. Uh, we live in a community that has tension with a campus and a campus that has tension with the community. Um, they actually don't like each other at all. So for our church to be the smack dab in the middle of that and seeking reconciliation between the two, we'd rather not be anywhere else. So we, we love what the Lord is doing. Um, I, I can tell you guys stories individually later on. Um, but, uh, but I do want to uh, start with just the, the, the title of the series for this weekend um, that I want you guys just to be processing through. Um, I titled this series, Who is Jesus? Uh, it's a question. Who is Jesus? Um, that's what I want to be talking to uh, uh, you guys about. Um, uh, we're going to be in one passage predominantly for the whole week. But before we get to that, um, it, 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 who you believe someone to be is really of utmost importance, right? On like how you're going to interact around that person, how you think about yourself, yeah, everything. So let me give you an example of that. So, um, so Emily and I, okay, uh, met each other our freshman year of college. Freshman, are any of you in here? You never know, guys. You never know. It could happen. So, uh, so I met Emily. Uh, a freshman year, and Emily was actually dating somebody when she showed up. <clears throat> uh, 
his name was Holden. Um, and uh, any Holdens in the room? I know, or just people just gonna randomly raise your hand? And, <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so yeah, so, so Emily and I hanging out or whatever, she breaks up with Holden. Yeah. So, uh, and then we started dating and then kind of the rest is history, longer story. But Holden, I kind of always wanted an arch nemesis, okay? I kind of growing up, I always wanted one, and I had one, and his name was Holden. I actually only met him once, uh, and it was at Coldstone. Uh, Emily went back to, she grew up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, so like we went back there to hang out, and so, you know, anyway, met all of our high school friends. Sioux Falls people, great. Um, so uh, anyway, I, I finally like, so this is like the dude, right? She's telling stories. It's just like, I'm going to be better than this man. I'm going to be faster than this man. I'm going to be stronger than this man, more handsome, grow a bigger beard, all the things that I need to do to just demonstrate that clearly I'm the better person, human, being, uh, you know, eclipsing Holden. She'll forget about him for the rest of her life, right? Like all, like the nemesis, right? Um, so I finally met him. I was like, all right, you're a little taller than me. That's fine. Just a little bit. Not much. I'm thicker though. So yep, just remember that. And I remember, I remember, I'm not, I'm not making this up. I like walk up to him and I, I'd imagine this day. And I literally just said, hey, Holden, my name's Andy. And I squeezed his hand as hard as I possibly could. <laughs> and, for, and Emily saw it, and she just kind of gave me this, like, you know, look the whole time. But I was like, I've done it. I defeated my nemesis. <laughs> um, okay, so, but here, here's what was going on. I literally knew nothing about Holden, okay? Nothing. But he was, like, the worst in my head, right? Like, just this just monstrosity of human. Um, and, uh, but, so... Okay, fast forward, years go by, like almost a decade, okay, goes by. And, um, and I'm, I'm now, we've planted Cottage Grove, we're like hanging out, and uh, one of uh, Emily's actually best friends from high school uh, uh, goes to Cottage Grove as well, like she's, her name's Chrissy, it's fantastic. So Chrissy and her husband Dave are at Planet Sub getting some food, and then in walks Holden. And Chrissy's like, because she went to high school with him, like, Holden, what are you doing here? What's going on? I didn't know you lived in Des Moines. And he was like, oh, yeah, I just went and just checked out a church that was down the street. And she was like, which church? Cottage Grove. And so then putting two and two together, Holden was at Cottage Grove while I was preaching. Ten years later, my nemesis is like in the congregation, okay? And I didn't know it. It was like, it was like Lex Luthor had like slunk in, you know, while Superman's like in his like throne room, you know what I mean? So like, that's like what's happening. And I had like no idea that it was going on. And so then Emily and I were like, wait, did he know who you were? Like, you look different now. So maybe like, is he weirded out? Like what's going on? Like all this, like all this like crazy, super weird. Like we had no idea. And like months went by, we never saw him, but he apparently was going to Cottage Grove this like whole time. Okay, so finally... I see him in Cottage Grove, and it was one of those like, oh no, we're clearly going to like cross paths with each other. This conversation's about to happen. Here's my nemesis. So I remember just looking at him. You look like a really nice dude, actually. Interesting. So we start talking, realize he likes running, realize he likes Frisbee, realize he's pretty funny. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, I think I could be this dude's friend. And guys, next week, I'm hanging out with them. I'm not making that up. So, but here's what, here's what, here's, here's this. Okay, so, so the intro to all this is this. Who you believe someone to be massively matters. It impacts everything about your interaction with that person. So who you believe Jesus to be is actually the most important question 
that you will ever ask, who is Jesus? And the answer to that question has the most implications on your life more than anything else in the entire cosmos. Who is Jesus? It matters. So a lot of you guys are coming with just tons of different situations right now. When you answer that question, okay, that question is asked and your quick answer, um, some of it will be all across the board. If you're actually trying to figure out who Jesus is, okay, and you're here because uh, you're curious, you have friends, yada, yada, yada. Um, you're not quite sure where you're at with Jesus. Um, when you answer that question, like who is Jesus, your answer might be he's a miracle worker. He's an incredible moral teacher. He's a, uh, a, a really important figure in history, started a really profound movement, okay? Like an important historical figure. Or perhaps he might be primarily just a legend in your mind. Maybe he existed, but a lot of the stuff that's said about him seems to be primarily just legend, okay? So that's where some of you are coming up right now. And especially when you think about the people who associate themselves with Jesus, then all of a sudden you have tons of things to say. And thinking about the church, what the church is doing, the church all across the society. When you think about Jesus, you're associating him with that. And so you're maybe a little skeptical, doubtful. And certainly some of you would say, I'm here literally just to be with some friends, but the last thing I'm going to do is associate myself with what these people believe. Some of you have been following Christ since, since you've been three years old or came to Christ a few years ago that you would say, like, right now I am following Jesus. I totally know who he is. But some of you right now in your current situation may be feeling like Jesus is quite indifferent to the suffering and the difficulty in your life that you're experiencing right now. Or some of you believe that Jesus is incredibly indifferent to the injustice and division that you see in this country and society and even the church itself. Some of you may be thinking that Jesus, when you say, who is Jesus? You're gonna say, he's the one who's really disappointed in me. He's the one that wants more from me, but I can never seem to satisfy him. I never can continue to do the right things that you actually see yourself as a failure who can't live up to his standards. Okay, so I, I purposely wanted to just lay out this intro because, guys, we, this is the primary question. Who is Jesus? So I want you to turn to Colossians. That's where we're going to be all weekend. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. It's in your New Testament. It's going to be after the Gospels. Colossians chapter 2. So I'm going to read these verses for us, and then uh, we're going to jump in. Okay, I'm going to read this. We're going to be in the first 10 verses here. This is what it says. I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ. In whom, all hidden, in, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ... 
Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human condition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Okay, so here's my main idea for this, morning, for this evening from just that, 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 that chunk of 10 verses. It's this. Jesus is everything you need. Jesus is everything you need. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going to walk us through three different things as we unpack this. I'm going to talk about the author of this book, Colossians, because this is where we're going to be. I'm going to talk about the audience that he's writing to, and then I'm going to talk about the purpose of his writing, okay? So the author, the audience, and the purpose. Jesus is everything you need, okay? So we're going to talk about who wrote this, who he's writing it to, and why he wrote it. So, um, so start with the author. So it's written by the Apostle Paul, okay, um, who is sent out of, uh, you know, came to Christ later on after Jesus had been resurrected from the dead and now was the church planter. There was plenty of churches all over the place. Um, so this is what's crazy about the book of Colossians. Paul never met these people, and he also didn't plant this church, okay? And he's writing this huge book that became a book in the Bible to these people that he never met in a church that he didn't plant, which is kind of crazy. So you see it in verse 1. I want you to know how great of a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, for all who have not seen me face to face, okay? So you can even flip back a page with me to uh, chapter 1. This is what uh, it says in 1 verse 7. Because um, we see who actually planted the church. Okay, So 1 verse 7 said, Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So here's what happened. Paul did not plant the church. Epaphras did. And he had not even visited the church. He had never met some of these people face to face. Okay? But he's a group of people that he deeply cared for, had deep affinity for. So you can see in this, in this verse, right, in verse 4, he said, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. He's concerned about where their faith is currently at. He's saying, there's some stuff going on that's confusing you and that's concerning me. Okay, but he's also saying this too, that he deeply cares about them. For although I'm absent in body, I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see you, your good order, and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So, so he has concern for them, and he's caring about their lives and their faith. So here's what's crazy. Paul, a dude who's never met a group of people, can have deep affinity for a group of people that he doesn't know. How? That's because God does crazy things when Jesus becomes at the center of a relationship that he can unite people who don't even know each other in a way that no other entity can. Nothing else can make sense of that. So um, I, uh, okay, so I don't, don't, don't get super mad at me here, guys. All right, so I went to a Vikings versus Bears game. I, I lived in Chicago for a little bit. I'm a diehard Bears fan. All right, so easy. Take it easy. We're cool. We're good. Um, so going to a Bears-Vikings game, all right? So, and it's in Minneapolis, okay? So, so there's just like, 
Like, you know, we basically had like a pocket of Bears fans, like by the grace of God, his sovereign, everything. Uh, he, you know, he just put us all in one little section together. I'm not making it up. I'm looking back throughout through all the stadium, no Bears fans except for like next to me. It's really cool. So with my dad and my friends and like we're, we're hanging out, it's really great. And the Bears, so this is back when like, okay, so the Bears are pretty good now. So anyway, but, uh, but this was like back in the, you know, they were good, okay, a handful of years ago and they were good then. They ended up winning this game, all right? So so it was one of those last drives of the, of the entire game, right? This is when Cutler wasn't a total loser and he was doing okay. And he like, he like made a really good pass and it was like final play of the game, touchdown. It was amazing. You know, crickets in the whole stadium except for the sovereign grace pocket, you know, of all the Bears fans. And all of a sudden, these people who I did not know at all, okay, I'm like giving them hugs, we're like going high fives. We're swapping numbers. We're wanting to like hang out afterwards. We're just like, like just, we become family all of a sudden. Like all this crazy stuff because we shared a common goal and a common victory. Our goal was to see the Bears win and they won it. And now all of a sudden, people who had nothing in common had just total affinity for one another. Okay, don't you see? That, that's, that's what happens when Jesus gets in the middle of a relationship is that when you know the goal and victory found in Jesus, you are united with the people you had nothing in common with before. It's why I can go to Zambia and meet Pastor Jonathan. Okay, he's, he's a church planter down there. And Pastor, I don't even know the name of Pastor Jonathan's wife, but I have deeper conversations with Pastor Jonathan from Zambia, Africa, than I do from a dude from my block that literally lives in the same proximity with me. Why? Because we share Jesus together. It unites us in a profound way that nothing else can. So this is what's really beautiful, is that I actually am seeing that happen here with you guys. Okay, so um, I'm just explaining something, just confessing something. I've been super excited for this whole retreat for something that really doesn't make any sense. I literally only know a handful of you guys, period. I know the staff well. I, I don't know you guys at all. But, but this is what I love about the book of Colossians. Paul never met these people, and he had deep affinity for these people. And so that, that there is this, this level of like, some of you do know Jesus, and so we're connected in a way that is super deep. Some of you, some of you, you don't know Jesus yet. I'm longing for you to understand who he is and what he's done for you on behalf so that I can have a relationship that I don't actually need a lifetime of relationship with you to get incredibly deep and profound and caring. Only Christians who share Jesus can have that level of community together. So that's what's going on, this author. Okay, but the audience, all right? So, so with the Colossians, what's, what's happening with them? Well, well, Paul's mentioning, right, in verses four, that, that there's some plausible arguments that's going on that's confusing them. Um, um, he's mentioning to them that, that there's this young congregation, they're revived in Christ, they're walking in their faith and what Jesus has done for their, on their behalf. They believed that Jesus lived a perfect life they couldn't live, died a death they should have died, and was raised to new life, empowering them with the Holy Spirit to be the church, okay? Place their faith in Christ, that's what happens. Jesus becomes Savior and Lord in your life when you believe that he's done that for you, and Paul knows that that's happening to them. He's seeing their new faith and how beautiful it is, but he's also concerned that they're being bullied by a bunch of people who are saying some stuff that's not true. Paul's, Paul's knowing that, that there's issues that are going on. There's this idea going around in Colossae at that time, okay, the town that they were in, that you need more than what was taught to you about Jesus in order to be with God. 
That's called, the, the, the scholars call it the Colossian heresy, okay? The issue that's going on with these Colossians and why actually Paul is writing, period, is because these guys are getting bullied by what's going on. Because of this whole, they're, they're beginning to actually question whether or not what they believed was enough in order to follow Jesus, okay? So um, I, I want you to look with me in verse 16 in chapter two, okay? So I'm gonna mention a few things. So, so the things that they're adding to all of this is this, that, that they're, they're talking about behavioral additions and spiritual additions. So in verse 16, check it out. So chapter two, verse 16, therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Essentially this, there's a bunch of Old Testament laws that Jesus came and abolished that all of these people are saying you have to follow all of them again in order to fully be with God. Okay, and they don't stop there. They don't talk about like needing to do all of this behavioral stuff, doing all of these right things. Okay, keep going with me to uh, verse 21. So Verse 21 says this, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Okay, so that, that's like a phrase that was going around this church from these people who are walking in and saying there's just different stuff you need to do with be with Jesus. They were basically saying you can't touch bacon, you can't handle bacon, you can't eat bacon. Okay, you can't even look at it. If you are, you're disobeying Jesus. You're, you're disobeying God, he's messed up with you, okay? Adding to actually what needs to be done in order to be with Jesus, so then there's the spiritual addition. So look in verse 18 here. So this is what's really weird. Let no one disqualify you, insisting you on asceticism and the worship of angels. So essentially saying you need to get to this higher level of spiritual understanding in order to know Jesus, in order to know God, in order to be with him, in order to have a life-giving relationship with him. Okay, all that sounds really weird, but guys, that's exactly what so many of you are struggling with right now coming in here that you are coming in thinking that in order to be accepted by God and to know him fully, you need to be better behaved and you need to be more spiritual. You need to be better behaved and you need to be more spiritual in order for you to fully be with God and know him and for God to accept you and for God to love you. But you need to stop doing this back at home you need to stop thinking that way about that person. You need to stop looking at this on your phone. You need to stop doing that on the weekend. You need to be doing a better job reading your Bible. You need to do a better job actually talking to Jesus with people around your school. You need to know more theology. All these different things that you actually believe that if I did all of these things, I think Jesus would love me a little bit more. And I think that then I could actually have a real relationship and a deep relationship with God. In fact, if I did all those things, then I, I think we'd probably be good to go. Guys, there's actually, um, some of you are even coming with this, is that you're actually coming from a theological background that tells you that that's true. So um, there's, there's uh, some of the confusing part of some of you coming from a Catholic background is this, that many of you believe that I need to believe in Jesus plus do all of these right things in order for me to be saved and to know who God is. Some of you come from different church backgrounds or just religious backgrounds in, 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 in general that's saying that very thing, that believing in Jesus is not enough. You have to do all of this stuff too in order to get there. You have to do all of these different things. We struggle with all of this. So who is Jesus then answering this question and thinking about the reality that we're feeling that pressure that we have to add to 
this faith of ours in order to be fully accepted by God or to be saved at all is essentially saying this, who is Jesus? He's the guy I can't live up to. So when you think about Jesus and who he is, what you think about is guilt and shame or apathy and skepticism because you can never live up to the standard that he's thrown at you. But here's the purpose of why Paul is writing all of this, okay? Here's the purpose of all of it. The reality is, so look in verse 9. That's what it says. For in him the whole fullness of the deity of God dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So the reality that Paul is saying is that Jesus has accomplished everything for you. Everything that you could ever want to know about God and perform before God and do for God and be with God, Jesus has done all of it on your behalf. All the fullness of God dwells bodily within him. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. The fullness of God dwells in Jesus, the head of all rule and authority. All of this is, and I, all of these ideas are referenced and the primary thing that for these next three messages that I'm going to be going through, we're going to be camping out on this reality. I want you to turn to first, I'm, I'm sorry, to Colossians 1, 15 through 20. This, guys, is the most theologically robust statement about who Jesus, if you want to know who Jesus is, go to Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Here's what it says. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. Things in heaven, things on earth, things visible or invisible. Whether thrones or rulers or dominions or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So that in him, all things might be preeminent. And through him, he would reconcile to himself all things. So this is what it says now. This is one of the, my favorite parts of all this. This is what Paul was referencing. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, verse 19. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So Paul is consistently pointing back to the truths in this text in his letter to Colossians. And so much of our theology and understanding of who Jesus is is found here. That's what I want to go through. So the next message we're going to be going through is talking about Jesus as creator. The one after that is going to be talking about Jesus as sustainer. And then the following one is going to be talking about Jesus as reconciler. So we want to know who Jesus is. We're going to be talking about it. Whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or you're trying to figure him out, Colossians 1 is going to reveal all of this to you. And knowing who Jesus truly is will give you the confidence and peace that all the fullness of God is found in him and nothing else. I, I, I want us to end just on this whole reality, okay? Is that Jesus is the one who has done everything for us. I'm, I'm going to explain it this way. Okay, I'm going to mention a basketball player by the name of Chris Boucher. Anyone know who Chris Boucher is? Anybody? Okay. Okay. Props. That's fantastic. Uh, so this is what you need to know about Chris 
uh, Chris Boucher, he played on the Golden State Warriors 2017-2018 NBA championship team that made LeBron James cry, okay? So that, that this dude was on that team, all right? So uh, uh, he played, though, here's the stats that he um, did, contributed to uh, the NBA season of the Golden State Warriors last year. He played one game with Golden State on March 14, 2018 against the LA Lakers. LeBron was not on that team then. The LA Lakers did not matter then. The game actually didn't matter at all because the playoffs weren't even close yet. Like they had already secured their place in the, in the West. Everything was going to be fine with the Golden State. So Chris Boucher, though, it was his time. He stepped in and he played for one minute in that game. Here were his stats. He got one rebound, okay, and took one three-point shot. Missed it as well. This was his contribution to the team. Literally, that's it. He played one minute, one rebound, and missed a shot. That's all he did for the Golden State Warriors, for a game that did not matter and did not contribute to anything. And he rode the bench the whole time before and the whole time after. Okay, so here's what's crazy. Because he was on the team and wore the jersey Golden State Warriors, even if he was on the bench, Chris Boucher became an NBA champion. So his ring is essentially a participation ring, right? He literally did nothing to earn that thing. But he got to experience all the joy of a victory that he did not contribute a thing to. Salt Company, do you get this? This is how the gospel of Jesus Christ works, all right? You show up and you ride the bench. And all you get is watching King Jesus show up, beat your sin, die on your behalf. Go into the grave, be raised again to new life, living a life you never could, dying the death you should have died, raised to new life, and all you did was sit there and watch him do it. The best thing you can do is huck up a three-point shot and miss. Guys, it is not. This is what's beautiful about Christianity. We're going to be talking about it the whole rest of this week. It's this reality. Christianity is the only religion that says this. It isn't about what you can do. It's all about what he's done for you. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's at the epicenter of what it means to know Jesus. So the most important question you'll ever ask is, who is Jesus? If you don't know him, how would you answer this question? If you do know him, how does your answer to that question impact the way you think about him, trust him, and follow him today? Do you believe you need to do more in order to be with God? If so, then perhaps the answer to the question, who is Jesus in your life, might be a bit off or incorrect. So we're gonna unpack all of this in deep details, guys, and the goal is this, that you will know who Jesus is, either for the first time because you don't know him as your savior, or if you do know Christ, you'll be refreshed by these truths and have a profound, deep, renewed understanding of his greatness and his love and everything that he's done for you. Guys, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the fact that uh, you are everything that we need. When we answer this question, who is Jesus? And we're constantly processing through this. Jesus, have you actually done everything for me? Do I need to do more in order to prove myself to you? The reality is, Jesus, you've won everything for us. And so, therefore, you are deserving of all of our worship. You are deserving of all of our praise. 
God, I pray that this hymn in Colossians 1 will bring such a deep clarity to the Christian and the person who's trying to figure out who in the world Jesus is on this retreat. Would there be people who are just refreshed and, and awakened to the incredible reality that everything we could ever possibly need to know life to the fullest and know God to the fullest is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. I pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.